Welcome once again to uh, an Action Church Easter. Uh, in fact, uh, this Sunday, uh, we are starting a, a three-week uh, collection of, of teachings. And so if you're joining us for the first time, uh, make sure you come back the next two weeks. We'll finish this idea, this, this series, if you will, that what we say should be lived out. We've titled it, Prove It. Everybody say, Prove It. Prove it. You, you need proof in life that what is said can be actually done. You need proof that you are who you say you are. You need a proof of identification or you're going to go to prison. You need a proof of insurance or you're going to get a ticket. You need proof of funds to buy a home. And you also have to have a lot of funds, maybe an escalator clause and a really good real estate agent right now. You know what I mean? You need, you need proof if you're going to back up what you say. Because I don't know if you've noticed this, but in 2022, there's a lot of false advertising. There's a lot of false news. There's a lot of false statements on your social media. You, you read something, and just because you read it or somebody says it, doesn't make it true. And that's what I wanna talk about today, that just because a, a pastor says it, or just because you've heard it, I wanna talk about the documented proof that Jesus is the Son of God and that God always does what he says he's going to do. Because in the world, that's not how it works. Remember 2011, Taco Bell came out with their new seasoned beef. Seasoned beef. It was a new flavor and it was delicious, but what found in a 2011 lawsuit is this, that there was actually not enough meat in the seasoned beef to be considered beef. It was actually just seasoned oat filler. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's only two things you need to go if you're going to Taco Bell. You need to be really hot and you need to be close to a restroom in Jesus' name. Come on, that's funny. You're like, can he say that in church? I just did, so you're fine. You waited in traffic to get here. You're disappointed at this point. We'll keep going. Sketchers. Sketchers came out with this advertising and they said, if you wear this shoe, if you just go for a walk, you're gonna be fit, you're gonna be ripped. They showed pictures of people with great muscular legs and arms and abs and then they got sued and realized that you cannot just walk and get ripped. It's false advertising. Just because you say it doesn't make it true. Remember the Volkswagen came out years and years ago when I was growing up, they came out with a diesel car. It was gonna be green uh, and emission friendly and we just we, we began to doubt that very quickly by the cloud of black smoke that followed it everywhere it went. Cheerios used to say that they lowered cholesterol and heart disease. Well, then they got sued and they had to change it to, it might. That's what you have to do. Just say maybe, maybe, this, this could be true. Just put that on your disclaimer, on your Facebook post, on your tweets, just maybe could be my false claims, things that are stated, written, or said that can't be lived out. When we see it in our, our favorite candy or, or, or cereal, when every year, every couple years, new and improved Cinnamon Toast Crunch. No, that is the same cardboard covered in sugar that tastes delicious in milk since I was a child. And it's not just advertisers, it's not just big corporations, it's not just marketing. You and I do the same thing. You, you go around and tell people, I was the valedictorian of my high school. But you don't tell people that you were homeschooled and the only child. <laughs> First in the class of one. Come on, guys, you're like, I was all state. Bro, you weren't even all street. You look like you're throwing with your off hand. You were not a quarterback. You did not. 
false advertising. There's things that we say that we just can't back up. And if you're new to church or you've been around religion and you think, can God really do what he says he can do? Is all of this stuff just emotions and, and show and religion to make us feel better? And what I want to take the next 12 or 15 minutes in this Easter message, I want to prove to you that God didn't just say it, he, he did it. And that Jesus coming to the earth, living for you, dying as you and raised to new life to give you power is living proof that God is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. And in a world full of fakes, we need documented proof if we are going to believe. Now, our life, our, our Christian life is built on faith. It's a trust, but I'm here to tell you that it doesn't have to be a blind faith because our God has documented proof that he is who he says he is. In fact, write this down if you're taking notes. First thing, Jesus is, Jesus is proof of God's perfection. Jesus is proof of God's perfection. The Bible is broken up into two main categories, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the New Testament is about the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus and the, and the early church. But the Old Testament, a lot of it is historical in context, but there's over 353 prophecies or foretelling passages, promises, or stories in the Old Testament. And, and I'm here to tell you today that all 353 prophecies about this coming Messiah, about things that would happen, all 353 come to pass. When God promised it through the Old Testament prophets and the writings in Scripture, inspired and empowered by the Holy Spirit, all 353 came to fruition in the New Testament. And I was planning on taking about 16 months and going through all 353 prophecies, but the team talked me out of that. Come on, I'm just kidding. We weren't going to do that. We're going to go through eight. Everybody say eight. eight. We're going to do eight about Jesus, about the coming Messiah, and I want to tell you today that the probability that just eight, not 353, just eight, just the eight we're going to refer to or read today, the probability of just eight of these prophecies coming true is one in 10 to the 17th power. You're like, I don't know what that means. Come on, go back to eighth or ninth or 10th grade. Come on, that's 17 zeros. That's a lot. That's 100 quadrillion. And that's a real word. And it's actually where we're approaching for the national debt in the next couple weeks. <laughs> Come on, if you don't laugh about it, you're just gonna be sad, it's fine. <laughs> Otherwise known as Elon Musk net worth. And so, I, I wanna explain it to you really simple, because when I say 10 to the 17th power, you're like, I can see you, you're like glazing over like you did in geometry or algebra or a little trigonometry. You're like, I have no idea what he's talking about. Let me, let me just show you what it looks like. I'm gonna explain it to you real Simple. We're not very complex at Action Church. I'm from uh, Birmingham, Alabama. We're last on about every educational list. Come on, somebody. We, we're really good at football and barbecue, but not so good in the classroom. Well, we're, we're better. We're not, we're not 50. We're, we're, we're better than at least Mississippi and Louisiana. So like 48. Now, Arkansas, too. Definitely smarter than Arkansas. And probably Tennessee and maybe West Virginia. So we're 45. We're 45. Still way down, way down on the uh, way down on the list. But let me just let me explain it to you in a way that you can visually understand. There's a secular professor who was studying this, and this actually comes from him. This 10 to the 17th power comes from the secular professor studying the teachings of the Old Testament and correlating it to New Testament scripture. So it's not a pastor, it's not a preacher, it's a secular professor who did this study. 100 quadrillion, and he uh, he 
showed it in this way. He said, say I take a man to the state of Texas. How many of you ever been to Texas? Have you ever heard of Texas? God bless Texas. Okay, Texas, big state. El Paso all the way to the Louisiana state border. Huge, and then north to Oklahoma, down to the Gulf and to Mexico. Huge state. Say, I take a man and blindfold him in the state of Texas. And I say, hey, man, I've placed a silver dollar with an X on it somewhere in the state of Texas, and I need you to find it. But not just did I place it somewhere, I actually buried it under two feet covering the whole state of Texas of other silver dollars. That's a lot. All you have to do is walk around, stick your hand down in, and pick out the one silver dollar with an X on it. The probability that that man blindfolded in the state of Texas would pick a silver dollar out of two feet deep of silver dollars across the whole state is the same probability that Jesus would have been able to fulfill all eight, not, much, not, not to mention the 353, just eight prophecies verbatim 100%. Why am I telling you this? Jesus is, his coming, his living, his dying, his resurrection is proof of God's perfection. That when he says something, he does it. It's not coincidence. It's not happenstance. It didn't just cosmically, chaotically come together. That God had a plan and a purpose. And you need to hear this today. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose. And with that in mind, I want to read or refer to these so you know it's not just me saying it. It's not just opinion. It's actually in Scripture. The first one I want to reference, Micah 5, 2, is the prophecy. 700 years, it was prophesied that Jesus would come, fulfilled in Matthew 2, verses 1 through 6. The second one, that Jesus would be rejected by his own people. The prophecy is in Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. John chapter one, the prophecy fulfilled. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And I just wanna encourage somebody today, maybe you're new to the faith, that you're not always gonna fit in with the culture of this world that we're not always gonna be like, Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. You're not always gonna be on the side of popular opinion or the crowd, that Jesus was despised. He was rejected by his own people. Don't allow people to take you off the course of God's purpose and promise for your life. The next one, Jesus, he was silent before his accusers. The prophecy, Isaiah 53, verse seven, he was oppressed, afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent. He did not open his mouth. This is 700 years before Jesus was born, fulfilled in Mark 15. But Jesus still made no reply. He's been beaten. He's been passed back and forth to the Jewish leaders and the Roman leaders, and Pilate was amazed. Jesus had a purpose, and he did not allow false accusation, lies, gossip, and slander to distract him from his purpose. We spend so much time defending that we get distracted from what God has actually called us to do. Jesus had a call, had a mission, and he was not gonna allow anybody to sidetrack him. He was on his way to die for you and for me, and he did not listen to false accusation. He knew 
that in the long run, his character, his integrity, what he came to do would stand for itself. Let your life stand for itself. Let lies come and go, but let your life stand on its own. The next one is this. The soldiers, they would cast lots. Thank you, Pastor Eddie. I would have done that too. If you're new to church, when a pastor starts like sweating a little bit or we start moving sideways or our voice acts like we're out of breath, we're just waiting for you to clap. And so I don't need it. Just, I just want to give you some church cues. You know what I mean? Some church cues that will help you. The soldiers would cast lots. The prophecy, Psalm 22, 17 and 18. says, I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. 900 years before Jesus was born. Fulfilled, John 19. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took the clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. The garment was seamless, woven into one piece from top to bottom. I want to pause there for a second. 900 years before, psalmist writes about Jesus, saying, I can count all my bones. And I just, I want to make sure that we don't skip to the celebration without remembering the sacrifice. It's not a pretty scene. Good Friday was good for you and me, but not for Jesus. And I don't want to be too graphic or morbid with all the different ages we have in here, but the cat of nine tails would have stripped all the flesh off of his back and off of his chest. His ribs would have been exposed. The Bible says that he was beaten beyond recognition. His own mother did not recognize his face. And we watch the Passion of the Christ and we look at the crowd and we think, how could they do that? We look at Pilate and the Jewish leaders and the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, and we think, how? And I just want to remind somebody today who may be looking at judgment of the people that did that to Jesus, I want to remind you that it wasn't just the crowd and the religious leaders that put Jesus on the cross. It was your sin. It was you. And it was me. And the sacrifice that he gave was because you and I could never stand and account for our life without him intervening. And so we're here to celebrate the resurrection on an Easter Sunday, but you can't fully celebrate the victory if you don't talk about and remember the sacrifice. It says this, that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, Zechariah 11 fulfilled in Matthew 26, that Judas would betray him. A man that he called, a man that he loved, a man that he provided for, Jesus knew, and yet on the night when he was betrayed, he broke bread, he prepared wine, he washed feet. You know who was in that room? Judas. Jesus models in his treatment of Judas how we should be people that have operate in a posture of forgiveness. Now, not saying we should minimize trauma, abuse, people that hurt us. There are healthy boundaries for a reason, but the posture of a believer should be to treat people not how they deserve to be treated, but treat them as we've received the grace and mercy and the goodness of God to extend that as a posture of forgiveness, just a freer way to live. Here's the next one. His hands and feet would be pierced. The prophecy, Psalm 22, fulfilled Luke 24. Let's keep going. The Messiah would be killed in place of our sins, Isaiah 53. But he was wounded and crushed for our sins, beaten that we might have peace, whipped that we could be healed. All of us straight away like sheep. We've left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the guilt and sins of us all. From prison and trial, they led him away to his death. But who among them? 
The people realized that he was dying for their sins. He was suffering their punishment. I will give him the honor of the one who is mighty and great because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among those who were sinners. He bore the sins of many and interceded for sinners. Fulfilled 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I passed on to you what was most important, what had been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins. Just as scripture said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day as the scripture said. The last one, Jesus will be raised from the dead. The prophecy, Psalm 16, verse 10, for you not abandon my soul, nor will you allow the Holy One to undergo decay. Fulfilled, Matthew 28, verse six. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Jesus is proof of God's perfection. But here's the second thing I need you to get today. Jesus is living proof of God's passion. It's not just an intellectual relationship. It's not just a list of facts of things he did for you. God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever thought about God gave his one and only son for you that you might choose him? Like he gave up a sure thing. That's his son. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus became flesh, became the word. Jesus was there. He gave up a sure thing for a maybe. Romans 5, while we were still sinners, while you were still anxious, insecure, running, doing your own thing, doubting, living a life apart from God, while we were still sinners, Jesus died for you. And with that truth in our hearts, we can never feel like we're not worthy. We can never feel like nobody loves us. The God of the universe who created everything from nothing gave everything that he might be in relationship with you. Amen. First Peter says it like this. It says he personally, he carried away our sins in his own body on the cross so we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. You, I, we have been healed by his wounds. It's proof of God's passion. There's never been a greater demonstration of love than Jesus on the cross. Amen. And it proves, without a shadow of a doubt, that love is not a feeling, it's a decision and a choice. Jesus didn't feel like dying for you. He went like, oh man, I'm just so excited. These people that are gonna betray me and ridicule me, yell at me, honor me, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest one week, crucify him the next week. You know, I'm just, I'm super pumped about this today, Dad. Thank you, thank you, God, for sending me. No, which is why a, a Christianity doctrine that is preached that life is gonna be easy is a false gospel. It's not in there. Jesus didn't wake up happy about going to the cross. He made a decision because he passionately loves you. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane? He is sweating blood and he is yelling, Dad, Father, please take this cup. I don't want to do this. But if it is your will, your will, not mine. Love is a decision. And Jesus decided to go to the cross for you and for me because we couldn't. 
I want to remind somebody today that it is your mistakes and my mistakes that put Jesus on the cross. And I want us to sit in that for a second, not for shame and for guilt, but as a reminder. There's the things that we've done and the things that we've said to put him on the cross. But I don't think I'm taking very much creative liberty in saying this. It's his passion and his love for you that kept him there. That he saw the opportunity that one day you may say, I can't do this on my own anymore. And, and, and he chose you on the cross and he saw the day and time that you would choose him and he stayed there. I mean, he's the second part of the Trinity. Since he gave up his divine privileges and made himself man, he had all the power in the universe to call down the angels to, to be removed from that cross, to be a reigning king. And yet he died a servant so that you and I could have access to God. Jesus is proof of God's passion. Here's the last thing. Jesus is proof of God's power. It's proof of God's power. Anybody in this room, in one of our auditoriums, just go through a season where you need a little more strength? Come on, a little more endurance. Put a little more perseverance, a little more faith, a little more power. Jesus is living proof of God's power. He's raised from the dead. And I love studying scripture. I love the 353 prophecies. Don't get me wrong. I love that we read the eight and it's living proof. It's documented. You don't just have to take my word for it. It's historically documented that some people said this and there's no way they said this and it happened. I love that God loves you. I love all the feel good moments in worship. I love that you feel the love of God. But here's what I'm here to tell you. My faith, my personal faith, my personal testimony is not founded first on God's perfection or even God's passion. Mine is on God's power because he did what he said he could do and Jesus is no longer in the grave like there is power in the resurrection and I don't know about you but I don't know anybody that's done that before you don't know anybody that said hey bro I'm gonna die for you but just for a minute I'm gonna come back and walk among you, among you just be popping through walls and popping into upper rooms like that's just a real thing the gospel did not advance the first couple hundred years just off of doctrine and teaching it advanced because a man did what he said he was gonna do a man did what nobody had done before and so my faith is not just on his perfection and his passion it's on the power because I don't know about you but in this life we have trouble and it is only the power of God that will get you through the worst of seasons. It's not a church. We'll do the best we can. It's not a relationship. They'll do the best they can. It is only the power of the resurrected God because the Bible declares that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and lives in me and we can have access to that. How? We give him control. And we surrender our situation, our thoughts, our emotions, our power, our strength. Have you ever heard this before? The Bible declares that his strength is made perfect in your weakness. When you give God access to everything, you actually become stronger. In scripture, there's about five or six different accounts of resurrections. One with a tomb and a stone, one in a graveyard, one in a street, one in the upper room of a house, one in the upper room of a church. Why do I tell you that? 
because what God wants to do in resurrecting some practical things in your life could look different than somebody else. Could be a relationship, could be a child, could be a marriage, could be a dream, could be a fight that you're losing, struggle with sin or addiction or fear. And I'm just here to tell you today that if you give whatever that situation is to God, you're not, you're not becoming weaker because you can't handle it like on your own. You're actually becoming stronger because you're allowing him to handle it with you. And that only comes through a relationship with Jesus. So I'm gonna give you that opportunity in just a moment to, to pray a prayer, to make a decision to follow Jesus. Is that the end? No, pastor, not pastor. No, it's the beginning. The Bible calls you to be a disciple, but you can't be a disciple without making a decision. So I'm gonna give that opportunity in just a moment. But before then, I, I wanna talk to everybody here at all of our locations. And I wanna walk through like we do every Easter, that, that spiritual survey. I, re, I really wanna have a pastoral moment where we really identify where we are when it comes to our relationship with God and the things of God. So at every location, could you take out that card just for a moment? Going to Oviedo and Sanford and South. Our ushers are walking around the aisles here at Winter Park. If you don't have a pen or a card, I want every, everybody that can read or write in this room, come on, even if you're from Mississippi or Alabama. I'm just kidding. Come on, that's funny. Just wasting time. Come on. If you don't have a card, raise your hand. The ushers bring you one. If you do have a card and you're not writing it, just fake it. I can't tell the difference from here. Let's walk through it together. There's four types of people in the room. First, we'll put it on the screen. A, I'm already in a real relationship with Jesus. We praise God for that. We're in a series called Prove It. So my question to you is, how is your life proving that box that you're checking? Do you know him? If you've received grace and mercy as goodness, salvation, what are you doing with it? Are you involved in the things of God and the body of Christ? Are you using your gifts, your time, your talent, your resource to further the kingdom of God? If you check A and you don't have a, a church, we'd love for it to be Action Church. If not, let us get you connected to one because your next step is getting involved in building the only thing that Jesus is building, and that is the local church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If you check that box A, you should be connected with your time, with your gifts, and with your finances in a local church. We'd love that to be here. We're gonna connect you one in our community. Here's the second one while we've gathered today. B, I'm beginning a real relationship with Jesus. And we came here because we love to celebrate. We love to remember. But if we're being really honest, we gathered at our four locations and online for this moment right here that people who don't know Jesus will begin a relationship with him. It's not the songs, it's not the sermon, it's the Holy Spirit that is talking to you right now. And today is your day of salvation. There's a second group in this B category though, and it's people that are gonna recommit their life. Come on, anybody else like me, you're a little bit of a slow learner. Don't get it the first time. Come on, I did, uh, I did kindergarten twice. My parents called it super kindergarten, made me feel better. Had to do a little redo. I focused too much on snacks and naps the first time. Had to learn to read and write a little bit. Seven years old, I walked an aisle, prayed a prayer in a church service, but I needed a redo. I needed a spiritual super kindergarten. And I recommitted my life at 19 and really have never looked back. Some of you have played the religious game. You've attended church, you did Sunday school, you've done Bible studies. Maybe life happened, maybe you made some choices, maybe some people hurt you. 
But today's the day of recommitment where you come back to God and say, God, have your way in my life. I'm accepting your perfection, your passion, your, your power. I'm giving my life to you. Here's the third one, C. I'd like to consider it a bit more first. And that's fine. You check that box, C, stay as long as you want. Come on, drink the slightly above average lukewarm coffee that we have out there. Come sit in traffic too long. Take advantage of Action Kids. Go to Action Steps every single week. Eat our free food. Take advantage of our free child care. Just whatever you need. Just consider a way. Here's the fourth one, D. Put that on the screen. I don't ever intend on making that decision. It's gonna take some courage to fill that one out, but I want you to know that's okay. At Action Church, you don't have to believe everything we believe to belong here. And you may not come back till next Easter or next Christmas. You may not come back for years, but here's my promise to you. If you ever need us, we'll be right here. You don't have to join our church to be loved by God. You don't have to join our church to be loved by God's people. So if you need anything, check that box. We're not gonna call you or annoy you. We're just gonna let you know that we, we noticed you were here. We're praying for you. And here's what I promise. When you go through something tough and the people around you may not support you or be there, you may not know why we're praying or what we're praying, but we'll be here to pray for you, to link arms with you, and do whatever we can to serve you and your family and your situation. This is a safe place for you to consider or even say, I don't, I don't believe everything you believe, Pastor, but I just like being around here. That's fine. This is a place that you don't have to believe everything to belong. And so check those boxes, A, B, C, or D. Right now, as we close service, I wanna pray at all of our locations. For those of you who checked that B box, you're beginning a relationship or maybe beginning again by recommitting your life. Would you bow your heads across all of our locations? God, we love you. We thank you for meeting us here today. Come on, if you check that box, pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud. Say this, say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. And I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord. God, I give you that place, complete control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And God, I pray for all of us today, every single one of us. God, allow us to fully receive who you are, what you did, and how much you care for us. We thank you for meeting us here this Easter Sunday. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody at Action Church said amen and amen. Let's celebrate all the decisions that were just made. Come on, really celebrate them.